Good morning. I'm Wimala, and today is Sunday, February 27th. And the world of samsara continues to roll on. I know we're all still concerned and watching the news and worried about the country of Ukraine and uh, and have been very touched by the the uh, the sentiments of the people there and their 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 dedication to keeping their country free and uh, I hope all of us are letting our lives be representative of the peace that we want to see all over the world uh, don't and, and very strongly, I'd like to urge us not to let this become a political issue in our own country, to be uh, criticizing our government for what they're doing or not doing. It's kind of a thin line, or using it as a political uh, volleyball. But instead, I hope we can all be really internalizing this struggle in the world and reading the Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree together where we're talking about uh, sunyata or anatta, the quality of no self, and trying to understand what that means. Uh, this is when we really experience that feeling of no self, we're seeing our connection to all things in nature, in the world. So we can see ourselves in connection with the struggle that's going on in the Ukraine. And it's not a time to decide who's right or who's wrong or who made the best decisions or who didn't. It's a time to recognize that we are connected to other beings, all other beings. And uh, when, when they're being harmed and their lives are falling apart, and they're struggling just to keep their keep their culture going. And this goes on all over the world all the time. Um, it's when we should go deeper within ourselves and see what part do we play in this. And not only how we can help, but how we can live a life that discourages this kind of uh, greed and power struggle and desire, you know, for more and more and more. And see, see within ourselves any kind of uh, connections with this kind of aggression in the world. And then come back to ourselves and try to be a center of peace. So those of you who I know, I know that that's that's how you are and I think it's good to let other people see that too so let's lead for a bit and then we'll read for a <laughs> lead <laughs> let's let's do that too but <laughs> let's let's lead by our understanding of how the way things work so the very last thing we read I'm going to read just the sentence because uh, this chapter five that we're going to read from is called not clinging to anything and he's explaining the term uh, thing the word thing which is in pali dhamma 
So we have, we all, if you're familiar with any Buddhist teachings, you know the word Dhamma is there all the time. So he's going to explain all the different meanings and why this is such a, a word used for so many different things, since that's what it means. But I want to read the last little short paragraph from chapter four, which is a good bridge to this and reminds us what this book is about. Consequently, the Buddha declared that to have heard this teaching is to have heard all teachings. To have put it into practice is to have done all practice. And to have reaped the fruits of that practice is to have reaped all fruits. Not, here's the teaching. Nothing whatsoever should be clung to as I or mine. You must strive to grasp the essence of what this word voidness really means. So, and the word, yeah, now we're going to get deeper into just exactly what he means when he says nothing whatsoever should be clung to. So, now let us consider that all things in the term Dhamma, which means thing, let me start that over again. That didn't make sense to me. Now, let us consider that all things are included in the term Dhamma, which means thing. Sabe Dhamma means all things. When you use the term all things, Sabe Dhamma, you must be clear as to what it signifies. All things must refer to absolutely everything without any exceptions. Sabe Dhamma. Whether something is worldly or spiritually or spiritual, material or mental, it will always be included in all things. Even if there was something outside of these categories, it would still be included in all things and would be contained in Dhamma. I would like you all to observe that worlds of material things, namely all realms of material objects, are dhammas. The mind that knows all world, all worlds, is a dhamma. If the mind and the world come into contact, that contact is dhamma. And this is dhamma is a Pali word. It's dharma in Sanskrit and uh, in our Theravadan tradition, it's Pali, so the word is Dhamma, D-H-A-M-M-A. If any result of that contact arises, it is a Dhamma. If the mind, let's see, if uh, whether it's, if any result of that contact arises, it is a Dhamma. Whether it's an emotion of love, hate, dislike, or fear, or whether it's satipanya, the clear seeing of things as they truly are. Right or wrong, good or bad, they are all dhammas. If satipanya, which is that clear, that insight, clear seeing, if satipanya gives rise to a succession of knowledges, these knowledges are dhammas. If those knowledges lead to the practice of morality, concentration, and wisdom, or any other type of practice, that practice is a dhamma. 
the natural results of right practice, such as the path realizations, their fruits, and nibbana, or nirvana, are dhammas also. In short, they are all dhammas. The word dhamma encompasses everything from the truly peripheral and superficial, the world of material objects, up to the result of dhamma practice, the path, fruits, and nibbana. Seeing each of these, these things clearly is called seeing all things. And the Buddha taught that none of these things whatsoever should be grasped or clung to as I or mine. The body cannot be grasped or clung to, even, even more so the mind. It is an even greater illusion than matter is. Thus, the Buddha said that if one is determined to cling to something as self, it would be better to cling to the body because it changes more slowly. It is not as deceptive as the mind, which is immaterial and intangible. That's called namadhamma, namadhamma. Mind here does not refer to the mind previously spoken of as being one and the same thing as voidness, but so even mind has different meanings. There's mind and mind. But to the so mind here does not refer to the mind previously spoken of as being one and the same thing as voidness, but to the mentality and assorted experiences which are the minds known by ordinary people. The contact between the mind and the world results in the various feelings of love, hate, anger, and so on. These are dhammas which are even less to be grasped at or clung to than the material dhammas because they are illusions born of defiled illusion. Clinging to them is extremely dangerous. The Buddha taught that even satipanya should not be grasped at or clung to because it is merely a part of nature. Attaching to it will give rise to fresh delusion. There will be I who have satipanya, and there will be my mindfulness and wisdom arising as new attachments. The mind is weighed down with grasping and clinging. It lurches about in line with the changes that its attachments undergo and suffers dukkha accordingly. Knowledge should be looked on as simply knowledge. If deluded, one grasps at or clings to it. Various kinds of attachments to rites and rituals will occur, through which one will experience dukkha without even noticing it. Practicing dhamma is similar. It's just practice. We know it as natural truth that the results will always be in direct portion to the practice done. The results can't be taken as I or mine either. If one grasps at or clings to practice, one falls into error again, error again, creates another spurious self and experiences dukkha no differently than if one were clinging to something as gross, and here he means not subtle, as gross as sexual desire. 
that's I'm going to read one more little short section and then we'll stop because this is a lot to take in, but it's really basic and important. All nature is sunyata. Sunyata is that voidness. Once we reach the paths, fruits, and nibbana, they too are dhammas, our natures. So that's another meaning for uh, dhamma. It's nature. They too are dhammas or natures, which are just like that. Finally, even voidness itself is merely a natural thing. So is nibbana itself, which is the same thing as voidness. If one grasps at or clings to it, then it is a false nibbana, a false voidness, because nibbana, true voidness, is totally ungraspable. Thus, we may say that if nibbana or voidness is grasped at, it's the wrong nibbana, the wrong voidness. All of these examples demonstrate that there is nothing, absolutely nothing at all apart from dhammas. The word dhamma means nature. So it means nature, it means things. This interpretation is in line with the etymology of the word, for the word dhamma means a thing that cherishes itself. Anything that can cherish or maintain itself is called a dhamma. Dhammas are divided into two categories, those that flow and those that do not. You won't be able to find more than just these two categories. Those that flow, spin, and change due to some concocting force maintain their existence within that very flow and change. That is, their nature is this stream of transformation itself. That which does not flow, spin, and change because it has no causes and no conditions is Nibbana, or voidness, and nothing else. It is able to maintain itself without change. It is also the state of changelessness. This kind of, the kind of Dhamma that undergoes transformations and the kind that doesn't are both merely Dhammas, things that maintain themselves in a certain condition. So there is nothing more than nature, nothing more than the elements of nature, only Dhammas. How can mere Dhammas be I or mine? Okay, this is, this is getting to what we are our original subject. How can mere dhammas be I or mine? In this context, dhammas means nature, the natural. In other words, dhammas are just like that. They can't be any other way. There are only dhammas. All things are nothing but dhammas. There are no dhammas apart from all things. True Dhamma, no matter what aspect, topic, level, or kind, must be one with sunyata, completely void of self. True Dhamma. Therefore, we must look for and find sunyata in all things, must study voidness in all things, all Dhammas. To speak in terms of logic, all things equal Dhammas. All things equal voidness. Dhammas equal voidness. 
We can express this in any number of ways, but the important point to understand is that there is nothing apart from nature, and all nature is voidness. Nothing whatsoever should be grasped at. Nothing whatsoever should be grasped at or clung to as being I or mine. So from this it can be seen clearly that voidness is the nature of all things. Only by ending every kind of delusion can sunyata be discerned. To see voidness, there must be panya, or wisdom, that is undiluted and undefiled, pure and true. So that's the very first section on not clinging to anything, any dhamma. Nothing, nothing belongs to self. So, oh, that's a lot, that's a lot to, I don't even know how much we can take in, but we can, we can let it, let it be, let it kind of, um, let it sift around in your head. Now, great teachers, you know, like the Dalai Lama says, you know, the basic, uh, the basic thing to do as a Buddhist is to be kind. And uh, that that is his way of talking about not clinging to anything as I or mine. And so that's, reducing it to this beautiful simplicity, but it makes a lot of sense. We only, those uh, those strong emotions that rarely rise up unless we start identifying that something is, uh, that we're, we're connected to something in a, in a very uh, worldly way. You know, something happens to something that we own or something that we, think of as our own, like our family. So uh, let's sit together. And again, I want us to be thinking about, let our, let our intention for the, for the practice be uh, sending, sending loving kindness and sending prayers of uh, safety and Letting go of fear and anxiety and worry to the people in, to the people in the Ukraine, and to everyone around the world, um, carrying fear and anxiety about the world in general. This is presenting even a new. Uh, I know for most most of us, it just we can't imagine that this is happening right now today in a Western in a Western culture that's very similar, similar to ours, but it's happening today all over the world. It's happening in villages and it's happening in places that don't look anything at all like what we call home. And uh, it's happening in families. It's ha- this violence and this aggression is happening everywhere. So, uh, we can we can hold in our mind this concept of sunyata of anatta that there is no nothing to cling to 
not clinging to, to even the concepts of mine and I, and doesn't mean we quit being caring and kind and loving. Those are actually antidotes to this feeling of uh, somehow we're separate from everything else. We're different. So if everything is Dhamma and everything is voidness, then that includes us. So why don't we just let, don't, don't struggle to kind of understand the concept yet. We're learning it from, uh, if it's something that is, you have trouble with, this, this book is going to be a good learning about it. And hopefully I'd also like to bring in other uh, good teachers' points of views that might uh, help with it. But I think it couldn't be a better topic as we're dealing with this the crises in the world and uh, things happening and things. I think Ukraine has just kind of pushed pushed a lot of us over the edge, right? Because it's it's like there's is there no progress in the world and the uh, desire for peace at all? There is that desire with a lot of people, but uh, that's not what we're seeing in the news, right? Okay, so let's sit together. And let's just be with the breath. Just to help. This breathing meditation can just help us come back to our center, to our own sense of being calm, and discovering the peace within us. We're discovering the wisdom within us. So to do that, we have to come back Come back to calmness. So let your spine be lifted up. Let your shoulders roll back a little bit. Rest your arms in your lap. When I say be with the breath, be aware that the body is breathing. And if you want to feel more grounded and more centered within yourself, you might want to take a few deep breaths. So start with a deep breath in. And then be aware of the exhale. In. Exhale out through your nose.
and stay. Let your attention be lightly focused on this breath. The body's breathing, but we want our attention to have a place to rest. And if we let it rest lightly on the breath, we'll keep coming back. We'll keep coming back to the breath. That gives us an anchor. And just be with the breath. After a few deep breaths to help us feel in our bodies, then we can just let the body breathe naturally. We can feel the breath. Be aware of where you feel your breath in your body. It's good to feel it in your belly. Rising on the inhale, contracting on the exhale. We can also feel it around our nostrils. It's a much more subtle feeling. Then lower that chin. Do you feel your body begin to relax? Unclench any tightness you feel.
Just allow the mind to get a little bit more clear by letting go of thoughts. As a thought arises, you can just be aware of it. It's there, it's coming up. You're seeing it as though it were on a screen. But we can choose not to get caught up in the story behind our thought or caught up in the action that that thought seems to be demanding of us. We can see the thought and then let it go. Right now, that's not what we want to get sidetracked by. And each time you make that decision, no, I don't want to be distracted by this right now. I'm doing something else. So you come back to your breath. That's what you're doing right now. But every time you can make that decision for yourself, you're learning about mindfulness. Come back to the breath, remembering that right now, this moment, it's okay just to be present and breathing. And able to take everything in without having to react to everything. We can hear sounds, we can feel our clothes on our skin. All of our senses are making contact with something in the environment. Uh, That's why I intentionally open my patio door so the sounds aren't completely blocked out. But as soon as we make that contact with whatever our senses find, a smell, a taste, the feeling of physical touch, hearing, seeing, we we have a, a reaction to all of that. What we're working with when we practice with our breath just to be aware of how many of those reactions come up for us. And we can choose to shift our attention to that sense contact experience, or we can stay and come back to our breath.
and meditation is the way we practice that skill. We're learning to find a way to be able to come back to our breath Come back to ourselves. Come back to the present moment. May all beings everywhere be well and safe, free from fear and worry and anxiety, free from the fear of physical harm, May all beings everywhere find peace in their hearts. And may everything they do be an action that comes from that peace and from compassion and from awakening to our connections to each other. And may all of that transformation begin with us, finding peace in our hearts. May everything today that we do and say and think be done for the benefit of all beings in this world, in our own families, in our own hearts, in our own country, in the country of Ukraine, in all places around the world. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. I will see some of you at Sutta study later at 3 o'clock or 4, depending on where you live. But I'll see you Tuesday here. Bye-bye.